From the Raptors to homegrown talent in high school, the NCAA, and around the NBA, Toronto basketball fans, this is your home court with Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, and Josh Lewinberg on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. Good afternoon and welcome inside the TSN 1050 Sport Check Studios. Home court, another edition as we get you set following last night's loss and tomorrow's pregame slash game four. Backs against the wall. Really good show today. Jack Armstrong will join us as always at 1.30 and NBA champion, all-star Olympic gold medalist and current NBA analyst Steve Smith will be joining us at 2.30 to talk Raptors, Cavs and a little bit of general NBA playoffs. Gentlemen, Last night through three quarters, we thought we thought we finally had a game and could have had a potential, you know, maybe series had the Raptors taken that one. They That's lose what it. LeBron wants you to. <laughs> That's what the, you know, <laughs> it, it was a two point game going into the fourth quarter and things looked good. And then 20 points later, you look and the Cavs are up 20 plus points. So Adam Silver made a call and said, make this one interesting, Cavs. Just n- let them feel we have a game right. here as opposed to a sweep. <laughs> right. We, they drop it now. Essentially, the impossible is now a reality, down 3-0. No team in NBA history in 123 series they are have come back for pride, my from friends. Oh, but, thi- but this is it, right? This, this is the one? This is it, it, this You is know, the it, one. it has to be the one, I think, in terms of, you know, I think... No, I meant this is the, the series that somebody comes oh, back over. N- no, 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 yeah. this <laughs> is <Definitely not>. no. <laughs> We're on the same page. We're on the I was about to say, really? <laughs> no, we're on the same page. <laughs> this is the one game <laughs> they have to win okay. coming up in game four. It, it would be very Raptors if they get a convincing victory and just play with the fans' hearts and no, take could a you, game. Could you and imagine? Let's indulge for a second oh that man. they actually were the only team to do that after getting blown at the first three games. It would be a, okay. s- it would be a story. <laughs> That's more for more sure. than anything, uh, it's... It, as, as crazy as that would be for the Raptors to be that one team in right. this scenario, it would be even more wild that it would be the Cavaliers. Of, and that, of and that's team. why. I yeah. After they came back down 3-1? No, because <laughs> yeah, they're just playing so out of their minds yeah. right now. That I mean, is it's, true, too. Maybe let's get to that first, because I'm sure we're going to spend much of the, the next two hours talking about the Raptors and, and um, everything that they haven't done right in, in this series. And believe me, I, I think this series has been a failure for them in a number of different ways. But the Cavaliers uh, are, are playing out of their minds right now. LeBron yeah. James is playing out of his mind right now. This is not the Cavs team that we saw for, for most of the last couple months of the season that we saw even right. in the first round. Yeah. I mean, they got that sweep over the Pacers. But, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are looking at that and, and wondering, well, why are the Pacers a more competitive team than the Ra- but that? This is a very different Cavaliers yeah. team. They, I mean, they, they didn't flip that switch, as they say, quite the same way that they have in this series right. in, in round one. Um, and it's tough. But we saw it in the fourth quarter of game three. Uh, they just turned up the heat, and the game was over, bam, in yeah. two minutes. You know, you talk about that, and then people look at the Pacers series and say, oh, yeah, the Pacers were that good, but it was a closer series. But I don't think the – Cavaliers respected the Pacers. I think they were just like, as long as we're close, yep. as long as we're within 27 points, 
we can win this game. Um, but I think they do have respect for the Raptors right. and knowing what they can do. And obviously, you know, making it clear early that we are going to make sure your stars can't do what they can do. Everyone uses that phrase, flip the switch with the Cavaliers. And for me, I think, I mean, obviously that's hard to measure to how much a team is, is flipping the switch. But I, I think it's most noticeable with the Cavaliers anyways. And I think with most teams on the defensive end, they can score. They could, I mean, even when they weren't playing well at the end of the season, they were scoring right. big. Yeah. But defensively in this series, to see them do what they're doing, to see them do uh, what they've been doing to DeMar DeRozan through most of the series up until yeah. last night anyways. But even in the fourth quarter, holding him to one point, I, I mean, this is not the 29th ranked defensive team that we saw from all-star to the end of the season. Um, and, and even in the first round, they allowed over 100 points to the Pacers and all four games were not looking good defensively. But you can really see they, they've taken their game to another level on that end. And as you said, I mean, I guess the Raptors can feel good about that. The, the Cavs are taking them seriously, if nothing else. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I guess you can, is that, is that the, what are the moral victories here? That's the question. I mean, right. being competitive, not winning, but being competitive was the victory, right? Uh, especially last year and this year too, because a lot of people count on this team, but now it's, you know, this team is, and you're right though, the Cavs are playing late to basketball. So it's not that the Raptors haven't shown up, but the Cavs are playing that good and they're finding different ways to do it. Well, and that's, that's trouble. In order for the Raptors to have any kind of chance in this series, we said going in, yeah. they've got to be at their absolute best. And the Cavaliers have to give them a, a break or two. And it's been the opposite, right? Because the Cavs have been at their absolute best. Right. And the Raptors, they haven't been close to good enough to be able to compete, obviously. I mean, at this point in the series, I, I think we expected to see three competitive games. Yeah. At least yeah. we had hoped to see three competitive games. Instead, we've seen three competitive quarters. quarters. Yeah, and you know, you talked about defense and how poorly ranked the Cavs' defense was. I remember at the end of the season, Coach Lou said, oh, I've been working on these plays for the playoffs. And we're like, yeah, sure. All of a sudden, you guys are going to start playing defense? Guess what? They are. They have. And, and that's where when I say that this series has been a failure for the Raptors, uh, I mean, they didn't go into this thing. We didn't go into this thing expecting them to win necessarily. But I think more than ever before, given where the Raptors are in their process, how you lose matters. Yes. Yep. And, and they spent the last year preparing for this series, building for this series. They're not built, they weren't built to win the series, but they were built to built compete, to compete yep. and they haven't. And, and they competed a lot more, I find, last year versus the Cavs after 14 games than they have this year after just six. And the funny thing is, I've said it, and I'm sure you know, other people have said that this is the best Raptors team we've seen. So it's like, what does that say when this is the best Raptors team? You know, I've said it. I mean, I can't I'm not speak for you guys, but I felt this is the best Raptors team they fielded. Right. And they lose in such a manner. And that's what's extra tough on but top of But maybe they just, I mean, maybe this is a team as, as good as we thought they were, as good as they, they might be, that just doesn't fit in with today's version of the NBA. And yeah. obviously you're yeah. going against the best one of the best Versions teams it, yeah. in, this, in this version of the NBA that just, um, I mean, they are the prototype yeah. or one of the two prototypes, I guess, of the way the game is played now. Um, this Raptors team may have been able to compete with a, a LeBron-led team five years yeah. ago. Right. Yeah. But now I, I think we're seeing, uh, I mean, it, we'll talk about this as we get deeper into the show in terms of what happens next, what you do to either rebuild or retool this team so that they are in a better position 
to compete in the future, whether that's next year or, or way down the line. But, I mean, you, you wonder if there are pieces here that fit together that can win in today's NBA. Yeah, are there pieces here that can fit to the new model and translating? And yeah. obviously one of the key things to that is three-point shooting. And we saw last night, of course, with Kyle Lauer being their best three-point shooter, how they fare in that regard. Right. And you have to be able to shoot the three-ball. And, you know, you talk about, okay, well, we can – a guy like Kyle Korver, great shooter, of course, one of the best, but defensively you're giving something up. That's okay if you have the right system in, around you. Now LeBron was talking after the game uh, – Obviously, so much of the discussion when the Cavs traded for Korver was how much uh, LeBron and, and Kyrie were going to be able to help Korver get him good looks. Right. But it also works the other way around. Korver's presence has helped LeBron, mm -hmm. right? And right. He you talked about that after the game. And you look at DeMar DeRozan right now, and he's getting a ton of defensive attention from the Cavs <laughs> like he did from the Bucs <laughs> and all those other – and, and who's hitting shots yeah. it's, to it, take some of that pressure It's kind of like he's literally sitting there, like, hands in yeah. the air, like, what more what's, can he do? What, what, do you, what yeah. else do you want me to do? Like, I'm going for almost 40. I got half of our points. Like, someone else has got to help me out. There was one play in the late in the third quarter. It was Wall. He was on that, that, that pair that he was on, scoring all of his points. And the Cavs obviously just locked in on him. He had three guys, three Cavaliers on yeah. him as he drove to the basket, made a perfect pass to a wide-open Corey Joseph, who missed the three uh, from the corner. And at one point the raptors were 0 for 12 from yeah. beyond the arc yeah. most of those 12 attempts were wide open you've got to be able to not uh, yeah. De demar derozan is not that prototype of like a modern day yeah. nba player i think you can win with a guy like that but you've got to surround him with the right pieces and mm -hmm. maybe the raptors haven't and that's something we've seen throughout the season we talk about it where it's like you know these guys are penetrating and dishing the ball out but guys are missing open shots. And the offense isn't, you can't even really knock the Raptors offense because it's constructed for open shots, perimeter shots from these guys. But they have to knock them down and they haven't been able to. And that's the big problem. When you look at, you know, these three games. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> I know. Um, your pluses. The week, we'll that, go, we'll the week go, that was. We'll go the positive route first because I imagine well, that'll be, there's. That'll be quick. There, I imagine there's going to be a lot of. Uh, Debbie Downer talk today. <laughs> or, or, or just realistic talk. <laughs> right. uh, the pluses is someone who doesn't fit into this new mold of NBA that we talk about uh, is JV, a guy who has been sitting through the playoffs, obviously, um, but stepped up in the minutes he's had, obviously. Uh, last game, I mean, you could, there's arguments to be made that he played a lot of garbage time, but, you know, we talk about the matchups in the series with the Tristan Thompson and Channing Fry. Um, there was a lot of Tristan Thompson last night, so there's a lot of opportunity for him to be out there. But you know, through, these, through this week, 16-6 and six in these games, he hasn't hurt this team. He hasn't hurt them as much in the pick and roll as you normally expect mm -hmm. from how they're playing it. And I think, obviously, he's the team's best rebounder in this situation, which has been a lacking area for this ball club this week. He's gone from starting to coming off the bench to starting to coming off the bench to starting now. And he's stayed ready. He's stayed focused. Um, and along the same lines, my plus is a guy in a similar situation, Norman Powell. Um, he has been, once again, a revelation in these playoffs, turning, obviously, the first-round series um, after getting the start in Game 4. And he's given them some good minutes in this series as well. I was impressed with his defense on LeBron James, yep. particularly in the first half. Yesterday, he's giving up all that size, strength, experience. But... Um, he is working his, his tail off, as you would expect that yep. he would, uh, just trying desperately to deny LeBron the ball. And we saw by putting pressure on LeBron the way that he did, 
Uh, he forced the King into some uncharacteristic turnovers. Yep. I think regardless of what happens where this team goes next year, Powell has to have a big role on this team. Maybe Agreed. even start yep. at the three for a number of reasons. He's going into a contract year. And if you want to convince this guy to stay in the summer of 18, having him up and down from the bench and in the rotation, out of the rotation, is not the way to do it. And then also, most importantly, I think he's earned it. I think he's proven that you give him the opportunity and he will... Um, make you look good well, when, when you do that. Yeah, he's done that the last couple of years. And I think, you know, when they first talked about having Powell on LeBron, we're like, oh, there's a lot of sides giving up. But yeah. much for the things we talked about, P.J. Tucker, the, the heart, the grit, the, you know, he doesn't back down. And that's the thing that he's not scared of LeBron James. And he's up in him. I think he was trolling him a little bit that's last night. Earned him on the defensive end. Obviously, in the offensive end, he's doing his thing. So I think, you know, Norm Powell, these two additions or adjustments we've made have been key for this ball club, although it hasn't really been enough. Yeah, late in that game, there was that one foul they called on Norm and Dwayne you myself and, and, and Steve were sort of up in the broadcast we laughing about it because we noticed that he was talking trash back to LeBron and trolling him as LeBron was walking to the the free throw line and we were loving it because where where has that been from this team this entire playoffs we haven't seen it from it and it's coming from a kid who is only in his second year and absolutely has nothing to lose by doing it because no one expected him to be able to put up a fight against LeBron and he's now talking trash and trolling him and I was loving it. As you mentioned though, he does need to be a big part of the team's future. There's too much unknown right yeah. now with this Raptors team and if you're going up against the Cavaliers and you think you have any shot at competing, you can't, the, the unknown isn't yeah. going to work for you. Damari Carroll, is he going to be good one night? Is he going to be bad? Right. Patrick Patterson, you don't know what you're going to get. Even Valanchunas has sort of been up and down. Norman Powell is in the small handful of players right now, that small group of guys where you absolutely know what you're going to get when he's on the floor. we got to go to break on the other side before we get into Josh's contested shots poll question. I'll get your minuses for the week as well. Keep it locked right here. Home Court continues on TSN 1050. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Sport Check Studios. Just an update. We're hoping to have ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst joining us at 2 p.m. once we get things figured out with some of the practice schedules happening between the Cavs and the Raptors. But before we get into contested shots, as I mentioned, let's get your minuses for the week that was for the Toronto Raptors versus the Cavs. Defense. Um, based on how the Raptors switched their defensive rating from the All-Star break to the end of the season and you know how poorly the Cavs have been rated all season, um, I thought it would be a lot better performance from the Raptors. Um, Cavs are averaging 150 points a game in the season, and I'm like, it's the playoffs. I think that's got to come down. It has in this season. They average 116, having over 60 points in two of the games this season and shooting over 50%. Um, based on how this team was trending as a defensive, not juggernaut, but definitely defensively more sound. Um, disappointed on how it's fared out so far in this series. Uh, I, I'm going to go specific um, last night the fourth quarter, uh, obviously a lot of things that I didn't like, but one thing I really didn't like was the decision to sit DeMar DeRozan at the beginning of the fourth quarter. That two-minute stretch turned the game. Yeah, the Raptors went into the fourth down two. Mm -hmm. By the time DeMar came in, it was just under two minutes into the fourth quarter. They were down eight, and then a minute or two later, the game was effectively yeah. over. Now, DeRozan had played all but two minutes of the game up to that point. So if he did play the entire fourth quarter, he would have played 46 of the 48 minutes, which is obviously a lot. But LeBron James was set to play 44 minutes right. in the game and would have if the score was close at the end. 
44 minutes and he's 32 years old, I, I would imagine DeMar could play two minutes more, 46, at 27 years old, especially given the, the situation. situation, the scenario. No Kyle Lowry, your yep. season is on the line. Um, Dwayne Casey was asked about it after the game. He said that he, he thought uh, DeMar needed the blow, that he needed a couple minutes of rest there, and that even once he came back in, he still sort of looked gassed. Of course, he was held to just one point in the fourth quarter. Who's to say if, if that was fatigue? Who's to say if he was cold, having sat after right. a couple minutes? But DeMar, on the other hand, disagreed with his head coach, said that he didn't need the breather, that if it was up to him, um, he would have liked to stay in there. I just think, I mean, it's hard to say what would have happened. Uh, the, the Cavs would have probably turned it up at that point of the right. game anyways, as they tend to do. And with or without DeMar, the Raptors may have been in trouble. But you have no shot at holding off the Cavs' push there without, without DeRozan on the floor. So at, at that point, at this point in the season, what are you resting him for? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's the second guess. I think, you know, this game was so important for the series based on how they played up until that point. In DeMar's game, um, you have to have him on the floor. You have to take that shot. Live with him being tired at the stretch of the game. Right. But you have to keep, keep that momentum up because this team gets leads quickly. And when Raptors make a run, they, they try and shut them down just as quickly. Contestant shot for this week. Just one poll question from Josh Lundberg. You can head over to his Twitter at JLU1050. How many of the following are with the Raptors next season? The options are Casey, Lowry, and Ibaka within the question. Your poll options are all three, two, one, or none. Right now, one is leading the way with 41%, and two is in second with 33%. Before I get your answers on this, I want to ask a question kind of what you mentioned about um, DeMar, what he said after the, the game last night, and what Coach Casey said in the disagreement. Does that concern you at all that now DeMar is somewhat disagreeing publicly with his head coach on playing him and, and whatnot that we've seen, you know, the frustrations from Kyle and the subtle jabs in the media. Now DeMar is somewhat on that same length? A little bit. A little bit. I, I mean, I, I just wonder, I wonder if this team or at least certain players on it have begun to tune Casey out. That's the question, and that's certainly what uh, Masai Ujiri and his front office staff are going to have to evaluate over the coming weeks here because, I mean, Casey has done a, a great job in his years here with the Raptors. The results um, are, are proof of that, but the reality in the NBA, and it's not specific to, to Casey, in fact, the exception is probably Greg Popovich, and then that's basically it. Everyone else, I think, has a shelf life yeah. mm -hmm. um, that you come in, you, you, you implement your system, and after so many years, especially once a team and a program has sort of hit its ceiling, there becomes time where I, I think a, a new voice, a new direction, a new focus is something that often works to kind of revitalize the program. Um, I, I wonder if this is the time for the Raptors to go in a different direction. Yeah, and, and I agree with everything you said in terms of how the shelf life works. And, and most importantly of all, the players are always going to be the winners there. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you have a player who might be unhappy or, and I mean, we can sense the discord with, with Kyle Lowry and Coach Casey. It's not that, it's not obvious, but it's definitely subtle once there. And you know, this isn't a knock on Coach Casey, but we know in pro sports, the, pl the players always win. And I think you're right, though, in terms of, you know, I d 
I answered that poll question and I was very, very tentative because I want to see what happens in game four. But I feel that, you know, obviously the players on the floor and the players haven't done it in the series. Does it matter what happens in game four, though? That's what I wonder. I think, I if, think, well, I think if they get swept. I mean, even, even if they win game four, don't you think it's a little too little too late? Does it really – if you lose this series in five games, right. if you win game four end up losing game five, how much does that change the evaluation process for Masai Ujiri, I wonder? I don't have the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot easier, of course, if they <laughs> lose game four, what you might have to do. I think it's very pointed. Um, but, yeah, I, I said one. I said one player, right? what, one, one part of the equation is not going to be here. So I was in the majority. I'm saying two. I mean, I can see a scenario, however unlikely, that all three are back if Masai, like he did after the sweep against Washington, evaluates and says, okay, we just need to make some tweaks, but I, I like what we have here. And remember, as, as, thing, as bad as things seem right now, as bleak as they seem for basically a lot of teams over the last few years that have gone up against LeBron and have failed – the Raptors have won over 50 games, have won 50 games back-to-back -back seasons. They've made the playoffs now four straight years. So there's obviously something here to look at this yeah. and say, oh, this is completely right. flawed, tear it apart. I don't think that's going to happen. So that's why I don't see the other scenario, the other opposite end of the spectrum happening either. I don't, it's possible that all three are gone. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's especially likely either. I look at this, and while people are talking about rebuild, people are saying, okay, well, if you can't, beat the best, then what's the point? Tear it down, plan for the future. I don't see it. I don't agree with that. I don't yeah, see it. Yeah, I don't it. agree with that either. Whether I agree or don't agree with it, I just don't see it. I, I look at Masai and Jeff Weltman and this front office staff that came, came here, uh, whatever it is, four or five years ago, and their clear priority was turning this team into a winner. Not just a winner for two or three years. You take your shot. If you fail, you tear it down again. This isn't the Florida Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> um, My, uh, Miami Marlins? Miami Marlins. <laughs> it was the Florida Marlins when they did it. Remember, they, right, used, to right, win, right, they right. used to win a World Series and then tear it down the <laughs> yeah, next year. Exactly. Granted, the Raptors haven't won a championship. But that's not the mindset here. Right. Win and then tear down. Right build, win, and, it, and then go around in circles yep. again. They wanted to build a sustainable winner here in Toronto. Something, by the way, this franchise has never seen. Yep. Even in the Vince Carter years, that was three years of playoffs and then done. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they've done that now. They're winning. They're also, by the way, keeping an eye on the future and building and developing, yep. but they're winning. And I think that's way too important to this group to all of a sudden tear it apart so I do think there will be changes and as I yeah. said I think they need to look at the modern era of the NBA and say how can we win in this era that's going to involve making some changes so I see a retool but I can't imagine a rebuild yeah I don't see a rebuild but I like you Dwayne I'm in the majority I went with one is still remaining um, at the end of this series however long that may be <laughs> but who was the one uh, for me actually Ibaka Really? But I, I, what, you guys know I've, I've, I've gone or? no, who stays? Okay, but no. you guys know from the beginning of the season, I've voiced my opinion that I have, I've not thought Kyle would be back in a Raptors uniform come 2017-18. I've been very adamant on my thoughts on that. I, I will be surprised if both Lowry and Casey are back. Oh, agreed, 100%. One of if if one is staying, the other is going. Well, the question two. is going to be how in what manner would Kyle Lowry not be with this team? Mm -hmm. You know, is it how much 
he's being offered on yeah. the marketplace? Is it Casey? How many years do you want? Is, is, it, is it Kyle that decides he wants to right. leave or right. is the Raptors that decide at 31 years old we don't want to invest Max money? I mean, these are, yeah, yeah, these are legitimate questions and big decisions that have to be made. And luckily, none of the three of us have to make them or make the decisions <laughs> or pay the money. We continue on here. Raptors analyst for TSN, Jack Armstrong, will join us on the other side. Keep it locked right here. Home Court continues on TSN 1050 and on the go on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to Home Court right here on TSN 1050 in downtown Toronto, just steps from the Air Canada Centre. Joining us now on the line, TSN Raptors analyst Jack Armstrong. Jack, how are you doing this afternoon? Hi, Megan. How are you? Doing well, Jack. Let's jump right into it after that loss last night. We thought, you know, three quarters, you're down two heading into the final 12. The Raptors had a fighting chance. Is there any positive you can take away from the loss in Game 3 last night? Well, a few things. I thought DeMar DeRozan played really well. Uh, I thought they had a lot of fight. Uh, and I thought they really did a good job. Getting, they, they took care of the ball. They moved the ball. They got good shots. They just didn't make enough of them. And when you play a team of the caliber of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, if you don't do you know the high-end stuff against them, sooner or later they're going to weigh you down. And we saw Kyle Korver was just absolutely brilliant late in the third, early in the fourth. And that kind of swung things, and that guy number 23, LeBron James, is uh, just a marvelous player. So, you know, you got to play. I wouldn't say perfect, but you got to play really, really well uh, to beat them. And I thought their level of execution last night was was very good. Uh, they just didn't convert enough. And on the defensive end, I, I think when you're under siege too much uh, because your offense doesn't give you enough. Uh, it puts too much pressure on it, and it cracks. And on, on the other hand, I will say this. I don't think the defense has played nearly as well as it did uh, down the stretch of the regular season. Uh, that's been very disappointing. Uh, I mean, if Indiana underachieved this year and had a poor year. They were a disappointing team to watch. And if you look at Indiana versus Toronto in the two series, I think Indiana played Cleveland a lot better. I thought Indiana defended Cleveland a lot better. So to me, that's disappointing that you were tied with Cleveland at 51 and 31, and yet Indiana looked a lot better and a lot more competitive in their series than you did. So there's a number of things that have to be kind of looked at and and rectified. But uh, nonetheless, I thought their fight was great last night. And, um, you know, obviously without a Kyle Lowry, it makes it awfully difficult. Jack, you talked about the caliber of Cleveland and the level they're playing at right now. Uh, first two games, the Raptors were out of, out of it early. Um, they actually fought hard. The last one played three good quarters, came up short. Not that they need extra motivation, but how do they get up for, for game four knowing that Cleveland is playing the way they are and they don't have the answers for them? Uh, you know, I, I think a good shooting day would really help. <laughs> you know, like up... <laughs> Uh, I, I think, you know, like playing hard is one thing. Playing well is another. Uh, they got to do both. And, I, I, you know, I think this team has played hard, uh, you know, all, all along. And, you know, to me, I, I respect that. I mean, you know, they have had, they've had some blips, and there's no doubt uh, that that's been frustrating. But on the whole, they've been really good with stuff. And uh, it's been a great four-year run. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to just talent. You know, I, I joked about it the other night, but it's true. 
you know, a lot of times you just, you know, you can get the ball on the green, but you got to make your putts. And the Raptors are a classic team that uh, they three putt instead of one putt, or you know, they're getting the bogey instead of the uh, the par or the or the birdie, you know, and and, and it it makes a difference. Uh, there's certain guys that make big money on the tour, and there's certain guys that uh, are hanging on for dear life. And and the Raptors just aren't elite enough uh, in terms of conversion of of things that have to be converted. And uh, not just offensively, but defensively. You know, uh, all that effort running around doing this, doing that, but then you got to close the play, you got to force the miss, and you got to actually get the rebound. And I just think that uh, they've been outclassed. Um, not outworked, you know, not outcoached and all those kind of things, but just outclassed. I mean, Cleveland's better. Well, so far in this series, we've gotten comparisons from Dwayne Casey to football, hockey, and then yesterday, boxing. So now we got a little bit of golf from you, Jacko. Well, we're trying. You know, we're searching for answers here. And uh, <laughs> I think, you know, Josh, I think you could appreciate this, you know, it's a long season, and I think you, you reach yep. a point, too, where you're, you kind of run out of comparisons, and you just look and say, you know It's a make-or-miss league, Jack. Yeah, and those guys are better. You know, <laughs> it's as simple as that. We've heard that a few times this year, that's for sure. Uh, Kyle Lowry meeting with the media right now, and has called himself doubtful for Game 4, so the, the natural question is going to become, have we seen Kyle Lowry play his last game as a Toronto Raptor, Jack, what is your gut telling you and what's ultimately going to go into the decision for both Lowry and the Raptors organization here well, this summer? Uh, I would, you know, I, uh, number one, I, I think the guy has, you know, I mean, he can be a curmudgeon. He can be difficult sometimes, no doubt. Uh, and I think we'd all agree with that. But the guy's been one of the great players in Raptor history so far. So I, I take my hat off to him. Uh, he's been a great player in Toronto. If I were in his shoes tomorrow with a team down 0-3 and in my contractual situation in the way I am, unless I am, you know, 80% or better, I would probably err on the side of caution as well. There's a lot riding, uh, which is, you know, I can't believe I'm saying that as a former coach, but I, I also respect the business that these guys are in, and uh, loyalty has to go both ways. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, will there be a team out there that offers him the four-year max that they can offer him? Uh, I would say yes. The rumblings I've heard from a number of different people are that Philadelphia will do that. You know, uh, they need a point guard. They need a veteran leader. By the way, he's from Philadelphia. By the way, he played at Villanova. So I would say they're the logical team that would make that kind of run at him. And, oh, by the way, Brian Colangelo traded for him. So those are, those are uh, you know, that's a, po a distinct possibility. With that being said, you know, then Masai Ujiri and Jeff Weltman and company have to decide, you know, the economic benefit uh, in a league that's very fast-paced uh, of, uh, of, of what will the return be on the contract if you go to the fifth year, not only in the fifth year, but maybe even in the fourth year, uh, for a point guard who will be, you know, in his mid-30s. And the one thing, Josh, I'll say is I'm having a hard time coming to grips with things because, like, Jason Kidd, uh, John Stockton, Mark Jackson, even Steve Nash to a degree, those guys aged well. 
You know, like they were they were real good point guards late in their careers. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm missing a few others. On the other hand, in today's NBA, compared to the NBA they played in recently, you can't put your hands on a guy, and it's so finesse-oriented, it's so explosive and quickness-oriented, does a guy that's still very good age quicker in this league than maybe the league that existed 10 years ago? I honestly don't know the answer. I'm actually thinking out loud. But I think that's something that you've got to consider with a guy like that. And, and yet he shoots it well enough late in his career cause from three to still be effective but can he guard his position, and can he get by people and still create for others late in his career? I don't know the answer to it. I really don't. Jack, when you look at this series, and you know Masai goes out and brings in Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline, and, and we think you know defensively that's great, and offensively he somewhat stretches the floor. Are you surprised with sort of the downturn he's taken in this series? Hasn't been as effective as we saw uh, from midway of the season until the end of the regular season? Yes. Uh, I said to uh, myself the other night, I said, he kind of looks like Jermaine O'Neal, you know, when the Raptors got him. You know, like uh, there's been nights where there's been a major burst and high-end play. Then there's been other times where he's had very little pop in his game. And I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to come to grips with his game and watching him is it, is it a byproduct of the structure of the team that he's on and maybe the offensive system or this or that? Or is it the fact that he just – there are nights where he really struggles. I mean, but you, you look at games one and two, he was one of ten in the first quarter. The games were over. You know, and, and if you're DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, you desperately needed a third dude. And he was supposed to be that third dude that guy that was a, could be a difference maker and take pressure off of them. But when you're one of ten in the first quarter on the road, uh, your teams, you know, they need you to be elite and make a lot of those shots to get off to a good start and play well, and he didn't do it. And, uh, you know, so his, his performance has been kind of uneven uh, both against Milwaukee and, and Cleveland. I mean, he had some great moments against uh, Milwaukee, and he had some gr- really nice moments tonight. But it's been kind of uneven, and uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure his game out. I think he's a very good player. I've always liked him. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, projecting again, what's, what's he going to be like in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years down the road? How's his game going to age? To continue on that, Jack, and especially even looking at last night, uh, what are your thoughts on his shot selection? Because sometimes I feel he takes, he settles for jumpers when, and not that he can't knock that jumper down, but when he can make easier shots for himself sometimes. I agree. I think uh, there are times I question his shot selection. I will say this, though. He strikes me as a guy, and just talking to coaches and scouts that have always said to me that they've felt that he, he's a guy that has to be, his shot's, at times have to be manufactured for him because he doesn't have a lot of creativity in his game. So he's a guy that needs a lot of structure uh, to be super effective offensively. And when he's, got a, when he's left out on an island and he's got to do a little more on his own for himself, uh, he has a tendency to force shots because he doesn't have a lot of creativity in his game. So some of that's on him, and he's got to be more – cognizant of the fact that, hey, that's not a good shot for my team. In his defense, though, 
sometimes he's going, wait a minute, I'm at the back end of the shot clock. I've got to get the ball up on the rim at least. And part of it is just from a team scheme perspective, they've got to know that this is a guy that you kind of have to spoon feed a little more some of his shots. So it, it's a lot of that. But I will say this, in games one and two, a lot of those shots were not forced. They were wide open, and he missed them. And, again, for me, that was why they brought him here, to, to kind of be that guy that Patrick Patterson wasn't ever and still isn't, and they thought they were moving up uh, a few grades in class, and I thought they were, and I, I think they did. I just think he's had an uneven playoff performance, but I was really impressed with how he played at the end of the regular season. He's a good player, really good player. All right, Jack, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking some time. We'll uh, catch up with you tomorrow. So, Megan, basically we solved nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know we're, we're, tr- we're but trying. we sounded great doing it. Exactly. At least we sound good. <laughs> we're trying our best. But, uh, hey, we'll, we'll all see each other tomorrow afternoon, and uh, let's hope for a better result. Have a great night. Thanks, Jacko. You too. All right. Your, your thoughts on what Jack said about Ibaka? I know, Dwayne, we sort of asked the question on how he's played, but your guys' thoughts on what we've seen from Ibaka now through nine playoff games after a, a really great second half of the regular season with the Raptors that we saw from him? I think Jack kind of hit the nail on the head in his assessment in terms of like what what he needs to do better, but also what the situations have to allow for him to do. Um, we're still getting some of that on the defensive end. I mm-hmm. mean, he's still contesting. I like a bit more on the rebounding end from him, though. I don't think he's rebounding effectively, but I also feel that he needs to be in a situation where he can rebound more for the team. He's not the player that he was three years ago. It, it, age matters, and I'm not sure that we know for sure how old he is, and, and people will, will snicker at that. But that, that's a legitimate question mark. I've been speaking with people around the league, and the belief is from executives around the NBA that he is not 27 years old as he is listed. Um, the, the belief is that he's somewhere closer to 31. And if that's the case, again, that's another thing that you're considering right. um, heavily right, right. when you're making this decision um, over the offseason and whether or not you want to invest in Ibaka, but likely big money, probably not as much as Lowry mm-hmm. w- will cost, but big money uh, for four or five, likely five years. Uh, if he was 27, that would be a lot easier to justify than if he's somewhere in his early 30s. Yeah, and especially too with the nature of his game. I mean, obviously shooting doesn't really go away, but being a shot blocker, being a physical rebounder, the older you get, the less you have on that stuff. So yep. that's the key, especially in that position. And that's what we've seen over the last few years. I mean, obviously he's extended his range. His offensive game has become more versatile. Right. But what we've seen in this decline since probably his prime years in, in OKC two or three years ago Fewer, fewer blocks, yep. less of an impact around the rim. He's a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that generally isn't something that happens at age 27. Right. We continue on here. We will be joined hopefully by Brian Windhorst of ESPN at 2 o'clock and at 2.30. Former NBA champion and current NBA TV analyst Steve Smith will join us on Home Court. Keep a lock, TSN 1050 and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Sport Check Studios. Megan McPeak, Josh Lundberg, Dwayne Watson. It's it's one of those things 
when you know your back is against the we know the Raptors backs are against the wall they have essentially nothing to lose by the end of the season but nothing physically to lose by getting swept outside of their pride but they have everything to gain by at least competing if 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 you are going to get swept in four and you're going to get swept on your home floor you have everything to gain by competing fighting having pride out on the floor and i know you know last night we heard um we heard norm talk about it about you know he's got pride we've still got pride in the locker room we're gonna go out and fight essentially saying like we're gonna if we're gonna go down we're gonna go down swinging but I find that they haven't even gone down swinging in, you know, outside of three quarters last night in three games. It's it's tough for me to believe that if they're going to go down, they're going to go down swinging tomorrow. I think they're trying. I just think that we've talked the Cavaliers are playing. Are they just that good? Yes. That you can't Lebr even LeBron go down James swinging? LeBron playing. Well, I mean, I, I think you should go down swinging, but whether or not you're connecting on that <laughs> swing, it's like, it might yeah. be like the Ibaka punch that just grazes the side <laughs> of their hair. They, they might swing, but I don't know that they're going to connect on it. You anything. talked about Norman, how he wasn't backing down LeBron James. Right. And I think that's the thing. I think they're trying. They're just not you know, making shots, and they're playing as a team that's playing some fantastic basketball. LeBron James might be playing some of the best basketball he's played in his career at this age, at this age, oddly enough. So I don't think the Raptors aren't trying. I think they're definitely not connecting is for as we go to boxing again um or also mma just so we can add a different sport in there um but we're, ru we're running out of sports I know, what else I know. haven't we heard <laughs> so we've we've done we've done basketball we've done basketball football jack gave us some golf we've done boxing now MMA. mma the best is there's like a little back and forth with a lot of these things too like casey compares lebron to the free safety and then lowry's asked about it and said no no basketball's not football so we know basketball isn't <laughs> football but yesterday basketball was boxing yeah you got to throw your best punch at the right. at the champs then we got some golf from jack uh, yesterday actually casey clarified and i'm glad he did that basketball isn't hockey you can't just drop the gloves although <laughs> Again, Ibaka, Ibaka tried. We're running out of sports. We've got to think of some cliches. good, gotta think of some good cricket analogies here. <laughs> or lacrosse, because lacrosse is similar to basketball in the way it's played. So, but if you make a reference, people have to know it's a lacrosse true. reference. It's true. That's the thing, right? It's true. Yeah, you're probably going to get that one past me. I'm yeah. not sure that I'm <laughs> over my head. Yeah, over my head. Um, yeah, the, the Raptors are, are playing for pride in game four, yada, yada. They're uh, going to... Go down swinging <laughs> if they're gonna. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, people, people say that sweeping teams are, are very difficult. Is very difficult to do in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I, I look at it the other way around too. Where avoiding the sweep once you're down 3-0 is very difficult to do in the playoffs because it's so easy. I think to just Let lo it. look ahead as we're doing. I mean, we're here supposedly talking about what happened in game three or what's going to happen in game four and how much of the discussion already uh, 53 minutes in has been about what this team does and where they go from here. It's only human nature, I think, knowing, of course, and, and they know, we know that their season is about to end, what's going to happen in the future. So that's going to be the challenge. And to be honest with you, I am not expecting much of anything from the Raptors tomorrow other than getting swept. We saw it, I think, a couple of years ago in Washington down 3-0. That game four was a bloodbath. That was ugly. That was painful to watch. Mm -hmm. I hope that's not the case tomorrow for their sake and, and for our sake because I want to watch some good basketball for a change, but I'm anticipating a sweep. Do you lose the fan base? 
more than what we've already sort of seen it trickle away in the Milwaukee series now through three games. I know we, you, you can't, you know, knock Jurassic Square because there's been a couple where because of weather and for safety reasons they've closed it. Mm-hmm. Um, MLSE has closed it. So last night it was closed, and I believe it was game three against Milwaukee. It was closed because of thunder and lightning. So take those out of the equation. But the crowd has seemed to get smaller and smaller, and with the exception of last night's crowd in the ACC who were fantastic. and then they were okay. Compared to what we saw in Milwaukee, the, the Milwaukee series at home, yeah, they, were they, were, they were they were they were great. Right, but in what the about ACC. Ca- what about compared to the Cleveland games, games three and four in the conference finals last year? Where oh no, was oh yeah. that's what I'm saying. Agreed, agreed. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. When you compare them, when you compare this, the fans this year have the are the Raptors losing fans now that they've played this way against Cleveland? Well, I'll tell you this: I, I don't anticipate the Raptors getting that standing ovation. That they that got, they got uh, <laughs> after they got eliminated last year in Game Six. If they were to get eliminated tomorrow in Game Four, I don't see that happening. In terms of the fan base, it's a good question because I do think it's it, there are loyal Raptors yes. fans that yes. will be Raptors fans, basketball fans, yep. no matter what. Then there's the casual fan, and I've said this in the in this city, the the Leafs are. I mean, they've got sort of that unconditional. Yep. Um, allegiance allegiance from that casual fan base that I don't think the Raptors or the Jays have. And I mean, now it's easy to, to say, well, no, that's not the case. Things have changed. But I'm not sure that things have changed. They, they've changed in the sense that the Raptors have been winning for four years, so they do have the attention of the city. But if the Raptors were to take a step back, if the Jays continue to take a step back, I don't know that it's going to be so easy to fill up that building. The Raptors right now have sold out more consecutive games than they ever have in franchise existence before. But I think going back to our conversation on whether or not the Raptors would consider a rebuild, I think that would weigh in the mind of Masai and and, and Mm -hmm. certainly uh, the ownership group in this situation where um, you do have to consider the financial implications, the implications with the fan base where I, I don't know that it would be so easy to sell a, a rebuild yeah. at this right. point. Toronto's a show-me city. Uh, and the Leafs, I mean, although they haven't won a cup in, since you know, we've all been alive, um, they have history and tradition on their side. You know, they've got a foundation built up in that. The Raptors are still earning that. They're in mm-hmm. consideration, but they haven't got that unconditional belief yet. So they still have to continue to build and move forward and win to get these fans to be there lowly every time. One hour down, one more to go. We continue here on Home Court. Keep it locked on TSN 1050.